0: And it's recording. So, um, Joel, why don't we start with you? What did you learn from your parents, your family, your upbringing about why we're here, the meaning of life, <laughs> is there God? How, God? how do we be good people? What What did you learn?
1: Uh, I don't think I learned a great deal. I mean, uh, I grew up with um, sort of watered down, reform Jewish practices. Uh, My parents were uh, themselves not very observant Jews. Uh, um, I I remember my mother and father, when they first got married, uh, uh, my mother wanted to uh, go home to her. Well, actually, my father's parents were vegetarians, and uh, they lived with them. uh, And my mother wanted to go home to her mother because she Made chicken soup, and uh, she wanted to eat chicken soup. And uh, in any case, uh, but but uh, you should say Captain, why you
2: think they were vegetarians.
1: I have no idea. I mean, but I, I thought I, I thought feeling, you thought that was well, their Jewish, way of
2: keeping kosher. For,
1: for a number of Jewish immigrants, I think that was a way of keeping uh, the Jewish dietary laws. Yes. Um, but in any case my father liked to eat ham i remember uh, you know having ham when i was growing up my father liked to celebrate christmas because it was an american holiday we had christmas trees we had santa claus um, um you
0: have hanukkah bushes and dreidels too
1: uh, well sort of uh, in 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 kind of a less uh, committed way i would have to say but uh, i mean uh, um my father i i only knew my father for the first five years of my life he passed away uh, a prematurely of a heart attack at age 51 when I was five years old, but um, in any case, my parents were, uh, on the other hand, founding members of a reform synagogue in Los Angeles, University Synagogue, which is uh, uh located at Sunset and Barrington in Brentwood. Uh, back then it was located off San Vicente Boulevard, um, and um, uh, but it was still, I think, sort of officially Brentwood. Um, but in any case, they were founding members of that synagogue. My father, um was also kind of a, a supporter of the nascent state of Israel. Um, in 1947, he—I remember on my fourth birthday—he convened a meeting of his fellow physicians, uh, uh, Jewish physicians, uh, to uh, get together to try to plan some sort of fundraising for uh, the state of Israel, and, and uh, so he was—he was very much committed to that. So uh, it's, there's these various contradictions. And, and I actually, in recent months, have taken to kind of seeing myself as what was has traditionally been called uh, in Jewish lore, uh, an Am It's literally a person of the earth, uh, a peasant, a, 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 an unlearned person in, in a certain way, or a person do you who is. How spell that? Uh, uh, there would be like a sort of an apostrophe, and then A-M, Am, meaning people. Uh, and dash haaretz meaning the land uh, uh, there's a newspaper haaretz it's the same same uh, word basically and um, but a p- person of the a person of the earth or person of the land uh, was uh, uh, you know a person of low uh, learning you know low amount of learning and low amount of uh, sort of commitment to learning uh, on the other hand uh, well in any case that that's uh, uh, and and uh, what and who's uh, uh, views of jewish ritual were not to be trusted in general the rabbis of ancient times were very suspicious mm-hmm. of uh compromise on on certain areas where they were you know very concerned dietary sabbath observance uh uh th- th- things of that sort so uh, a person who was an amha aretz was was untrustworthy Was somebody who you know could not be relied on uh and and, and um I, I don't know in recent times i've I think of myself as an Amaharit, and at the same time, there's part of me that is very sort of deeply committed to observance. I, I you know, recite the prayers, which are basically memorized in my in my head uh, three times daily. Um, I um, have I, I do a kind of Sabbath observance, uh, which is not very strict. I turn lights on and off, which is sort of contrary to Jewish law, uh, or at least Orthodox Jewish law, and. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I but I don't do any work. I don't do anything related to my job on on from Friday night to to Saturday night and 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 sometimes into Sunday. Um, and uh, so and I, I've also uh, devoted a lot of Saturday afternoon to uh, uh, meeting periodically with my dear friends Dan Hayden and uh, and uh, and John Lee's and Kent Goodman. Um, and and you know we we uh, talk together about stuff related to our lives about growing old about senescence about uh health issues about i i don't know all the stuff that and 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 it's partly your sessions that got us started on this you know we we basically came into each other's uh orbit uh uh through uh the uh you know video medium medium and uh i, I don't know we've now gotten very used to it we're on kind of a right. month hiatus but uh but we're, John we're, Lee's we're, 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 we're
0: he's the only one of those four that isn't from a Jewish background.
1: Uh, That's right. Yeah. Yeah. John, I know I, what? but I've known John since uh, about age 11 or 12 when I was from, from Emerson junior high school. And uh, he and I've been steady friends ever, ever since there've been periods when we fell out of touch a little bit, but, but we've mostly been in touch all the time. And we, we talk regularly by telephone and, um, and uh, but and and Dan, uh, I I've known since age five uh, Kent as well, but not as not not as well as Dan. and um, and he and I, I don't know, are, are, are um, um, we've fallen in again as we we often call each other friends for life. and uh, and uh, I always every we're, we were born two days apart. April eleventh and April thirteenth, and on April eleventh, which is his birthday, I always uh, send him birthday greetings. So that's been sort of a constant in our lives as well.
0: Anyway, Hi. but maybe
1: we're getting a, a, a field from religion. Oh no,
0: there's no field. Um, did you get bar mitzvah?
1: Yes, I, I uh, went to Hebrew school. Went to Sunday school, which uh, uh, met on Sunday rather than uh, the Sabbath, rather than on the Jewish Sabbath. Um, I wasn't all that crazy about it but on the other hand i was more devoted to it than other people dan actually was was in in sunday school with me at some point and i remember sort of uh tugging on him to get to get him to join a, a hebrew class that took place sort of in the late morning at the synagogue and uh he wasn't so crazy about it but anyway um uh, uh i i, I stud- but i studied from about age ten or so, ten or eleven, I started studying for bar mitzvah, and I had a bar mitzvah at thirteen.
0: I know some kids do it just because you get gifts, and it's a great party, and
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, there are a lot that. of
0: rewards for doing it.
1: I guess that's true. Yeah, I kind of botched uh, the ceremony because uh, <laughs> I, I really, I my my father's relatives uh, uh, came to it, and I, I should have mentioned. My father, somewhere in the course of it, and I, for some reason, I was in real avoidance about facing the loss of my father. Already six years later, facing or, or seven, or five, five, seven, Eight. seven well, anyway, uh, since age five, had lost my father, and I, I had trouble addressing that in the in this, you know, uh, high synagogue family event, and uh, I, I got lectured at after the after the service by my <laughs> father's relatives. Mm. And and I deserved it. I, I deserved to be censured.
0: Um, so. Carol, what about you? You were raised Catholic. What did that mean? So I I grew up in
2: Fall River, Massachusetts, um, which was largely um, I was born in 1951, um, and my parents were you know of of that post, that war generation, and um, most of the. the Fall River was a very um, a very Catholic city, a, a, a city of immigrants or, you know, second and third, well, first, second and third generation immigrants of, from mostly uh, Catholic countries, um, Italy, Portugal, Ireland, uh, Poland, uh, Fran- French, Canadian, uh, Lebanese. And um, it was arranged in parishes, um, that were uh, that were highly ethnically identified and um, and uh, so you know, none of my grandparents were immigrants, actually, which is kind of a I'm sorry about because if one of them had been an immigrant from Ireland. um, I could claim Irish citizenship, but they were all it was the uh, great grandparents generation that um, had immigrated and. so there was you know a certain degree of uh of uh homogeneity in the uh, neighborhoods that i grew up in of catholic um uh catholic families uh and uh irish catholic families and um so uh you know it was uh it was never a given in our family that uh, that the children would go to Catholic school, but um, my mother had uh, b- both my parents had gone to uh, Catholic school, b- boys' school and girls' school respectively, and my my mother had gone to a convent school. And when I was in going into fifth grade, she really wanted me. They they really wanted me to go to Sacred Hearts Academy. So my education from fifth grade through 10th grade, when we moved up to the Boston area, was um, in Catholic school, whereas my younger siblings all stayed in public school. Um, and um, so, you know, I grew up with some religious education. I, I remember in my fifth grade class, I hadn't yet been thoroughly, uh, I, in fact, I never was, but I hadn't been thoroughly indoctrinated in <laughs> The, the cult of the uh, religious orders, <laughs> but uh, the, our teacher uh, asked the class how many, you know, the classes were small, there were maybe 20 girls in the class, uh, who to, people to raise their hands if they thought that they, they might have a, a religious vocation. And I was the only one who didn't raise my hand. <laughs> um, although later in life, I, I have always been drawn to uh, monasticism in, in various forms um so anyway um you know i had the first holy communion the um the uh, confirmation and uh i wasn't a, a devout or religious child and my family you know they the, the sunday mass was absolutely required um but we always went to like the earlier mass, which didn't have music or any extra things. So we could go in and out and. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the I don't think the influence of the nuns uh, was particularly uh, harmful or or. Uh, um, tending toward. Uh, making me more devout or interested in Catholicism but it, I, I I think I may have just missed the at least in this particular school the, the generation that was um, spanked and uh, and wrapped on the knuckles and things like that by 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 nuns um, and even in my, freshman in the year of high school i think we even had and so this would have been 1967 or 68 we had some form of or maybe no earlier 66 um some form of sex education and i remember that
0: um that means um, girls get their periods because the egg goes that's
2: yeah, yeah, that's, but I oh, I, I remember and, and and I even have I still have a um, a paper I think I wrote this in for my sophomore biology class on the reproductive cycle with drawings I did I think I probably traced them of of, of, of a developing fetus and um, you know the issue of abortion wasn't was never mentioned um, or birth
0: control <laughs> either right
2: or, or birth. No, 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 birth control. Um, I do remember at the age of 12, I think. um, I mean, this is like so this is the 60s. And my my mother had been ironing my father's cloth handkerchiefs, (laughs) something nobody on the planet Earth does anymore. But and um, she she asked me to take them upstairs and put them in the drawer in the dresser. And I found a package of Trojans. And I had never heard of them before, but I figured out what they were. um, So my parents, by that time, they had had or they maybe maybe my mother was even pregnant with my youngest brother who, you know, uh, to my everlasting shame, you know, we used to tease uh, and say he was a mistake. Um, the, The four oldest kids are all within about six years of one another, and he's six years younger. Um, So he's number five, five. Yeah. And um, so this this was either when my mother was pregnant with John or or shortly after she had had him. Um, And uh, and so, you know, they they didn't want any more kids. But my mother. My mother was very close to a number of her friends from the girls' school, Sacred Hearts Academy, and um, and these women, the the biggest family was fourteen. Um, the uh, there were a, a, a few of her friends had ten kids, nine kids, eight kids. We were considered a small family, and um, thanks to the. Trojan, yes, yeah. <laughs> apparently um so uh I, I i'm losing the thread of where where that was going but um
0: let, let me ask you this i'm i'm really interested in the church's teaching on sin and kids how what that means to their mortal sins and venial sins yeah. and if you say yeah many hail marys then you don't have to go to hell if you die how how does how is that explained to a child and how does a child
2: you sin? know i don't remember how i how these ideas were transmitted to me or uh, how i absorbed them but i i do remember that m- Two kind of slightly maybe contradictory ideas about God and sin and forgiveness, and one was that I was under constant surveillance by God. God was an eye in the sky, and <laughs> and that eye, you know, omniscient, um, omniscient, omnipotent, and um, something else, and um, omnipresent.
1: And, yeah, maybe
2: that. that And and that he could see, he could see whatever I was, he could see what I was doing. And he knew what I was thinking. And and, it wasn't like, it wasn't good. It wasn't, (laughs) I I didn't expect any good to come from that. But the other was that a a kind of facile and um, superficial idea about, uh, about, penance uh, and repentance and the the idea that you know if you you could you could sin your way through life and you know maybe go to confession but at the at the end if you got hit by a car and you were lying in the street and you you know about to draw your last breath um, and you had a moment of true repentance for what you had done um all the horrific things i don't know why i thought i might be committing horrific crimes i never really have um but that you'd be forgiven and the doors of heaven would open to you
0: even Um, without a priest giving you supreme unction if you if you're extreme extreme unction Extreme.
2: extreme extreme unction um well, yeah. I mean, I, 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 think I don't know where I got that idea, and I don't think it's accurate, actually. But, but because really, the last rites of the church or extreme unction is a uh, is the it's the final of the sacrament of the church's sacraments. Um, and, um, but I, I had a distorted view of that, <laughs> and. Uh, so I was always I was very drawn to ideas later on about um, uh, 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 sort of Nietzschean ideas of good and evil, and uh, that I don't even remember now how they were formulated by Nietzsche or by me. Uh, but
0: when I that, think of Nietzsche, I think it's we create our own morality in our own yeah
2: mind. yeah, and that that you know that that was. Uh, for some reason, that that kind those those kinds of ideas seemed they weren't hard to reconcile with the not so much with my cat the Catholic teachings the teachings of the Catholic Church or my upbringing but the effect that my upbringing had on me my religious upbringing um, and anyway I was I was going to say that you know we were very we observed all of the um, the you know children's sacraments uh uh, holy first holy communion and um and confirmation and uh, my parents uh you know were were very um they were religious in uh, in their observance of sunday mass but um later on i was the first person to stop when i was about 15 um to stop going to mass after we moved up to Melrose um, in in the Boston area and and I went to public school. And I guess I was 16, I I had probably turned 16 because I mean, uh, there was some kind of agreement or maybe it was a tacit agreement that at 16, I could make that choice. And my brother who's next oldest to me followed shortly after and fairly shortly after that, my mother, stopped going Mm -hmm. my father who when he was in his cups which wasn't often but he did tend when he drank to drink excessively um but he wasn't a uh, practicing alcoholic um my father was very cynical about the teachings of the catholic church and um and was i would say he was an agnostic um and he expressed these ideas sometimes but he never stopped going to mass
0: how interesting and um and he was, hedges bets in case i
2: i think it was more if that it was a form of um
0: ethnic uh, irish
2: of of you know social order and cohesion that he he saw the mass as being uh, being something that held his world together. Uh, you know, was a practice that he had done since he was born, probably, or certainly since his first communion. And um, and he, you know, he. I don't know if he ever went to confession. Maybe he did, or or even if he took communion. But he he did go to mass. The church wasn't far from our house in Melrose, and that's where he lived up in, up until his death.
0: Um, um, women that I know that were raised Catholic often have a were told you should be Mary-like, which meant you should be celibate, and you have to really watch out because boys have these kind of insidious, sexual urges that you have to guard yourself against and it's yeah like yeah dangerous. i mean
2: i mean we i i got some of that but i didn't take it really seriously i don't know i don't know what else was influencing me at the time but uh, it i i was afraid i think i the idea that if you sat in a boy's lap that you could get pregnant <laughs> um i i was um i i i i was uh that sort of influenced me for a while. <laughs> but I didn't, I, I mean, I didn't consider myself attractive and I never thought any boy would ever be interested in me. So it, it wasn't a real issue. Um, and the the cult of Mary never spoke to me. Um, hmm. uh, I, I, think, I think if I, maybe if I had started Catholic school uh, in kindergarten or first grade, I, I would have been I, I would have been hooked uh, earlier, but, you know, I was, I, I, as I said, you know, God was a, a not very um, sympathetic uh, um, taskmaster who uh, just kept his eye on everything, everything I was doing. It wasn't, it wasn't at all a positive relationship with religion. Um,
0: mm. Mm. Um, let, let's come back to how you've evolved. But Joel, what about you? How have you evolved since your high school days? What what happened to your understanding of the divine and whatever? Um, in your career and your first marriage. Yeah. Second... Well, I didn't
1: really get the bug for religion uh, oh. at, at that age. I mean, after my bar mitzvah, I could have gone on to what they called confirmation, which would have been another uh, year or so of, of study and some ceremony of some sort. Uh, but I didn't do that. And and um, uh, all through um, high school and college, I was very committed to secular society and to cosmopolitan. Uh, uh, culture and beliefs and and uh, I was an English major at UC Berkeley uh, back when you and I were there and and uh, you know I I thought of myself as uh, basically open to uh, at least the whole of Western culture I, I also uh, read books on Zen Buddhism uh, in that era as well so I was attracted to Buddhism uh, along with uh, my attraction to um, sort of uh, general multicultural, Society and and culture and and history. Um, it wasn't until 1965 when I started to become eligible for the draft during the Vietnam War that I decided I was going to be um, a conscientious objector by virtue of uh, religious training and belief. Oh. It's a bit of a stretch. Uh, it was a draft dodge, I think, to some degree. Um, and um, but I started to get I became a conscientious objector and I, I became actually a draft counselor. Uh, while uh, myself pursuing a conscientious objection uh, case. I, it, it was a very involved thing. Uh, uh, I had to be investigated by the FBI for uh, a couple of years. And, uh, and meanwhile, I started uh, doing uh, what I called, or what was called peace education, where I would go to synagogues and, and uh, help them set up programs and education for uh, learning to live in a world without war and um, and I started going to synagogues and meeting rabbis and this and that. and I befriended a rabbi um uh, in the um, in the San Francisco bay area. he was I think in richmond and um and he um I, I don't know we we got to be very friendly and and uh i I started thinking that hey, maybe I will go to rabbinical school. and um i I expressed that one time as as just a casual. Uh, a casual thought, and you know, he um, essentially leaped to it uh, with alacrity, and and set me up to talk to uh, a representative of Hebrew Union College, the Reform uh, Rabbinical Seminary in Los Angeles. And um, anyhow, it, one one thing led to another. I was married at the time uh, to uh, someone else uh, than, than Carol. And um, and uh, she wasn't so crazy about my idea of becoming a rabbi and her becoming a Rebbitzin of rabbi's wife. Was uh, she Jewish? She she was Jewish. She was an, a Jewish influence on me because she and her mother had been um, sort of uh, 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 rock ribbed, social, uh, uh, very uh, left wing um, um, uh, Zionists, uh, and and had spent a year in Israel and uh when i met her she was uh, fluent in, in reasonably fluent in hebrew and actually trying to teach me a bit of hebrew and uh, uh we started uh, in our married days we started going to a synagogue in oakland uh by a what who a man who became a very prominent reconstructionist rabbi uh named harold Schulweis. and uh so friday nights we would be at synagogue and um I don't know, somehow uh, I thought she was enough into the culture that, you know, she might uh, be, be somewhat friendly to the idea of my becoming a rabbi. But anyway, it, it was a source of tension between her and me. And eventually it was sort of part of the arc of the, the marital disintegration that broke us up. Um, but uh, we eventually got past it and and had sort of a friendly relation after that. But but uh, in any case, it was a very tense few years. And, and um uh, But meanwhile, I was loving being in. By that time, I had had moved down to Los Angeles. She moved with me for a time before she finally left. And uh, I was getting into my courses at Hebrew Union college. The years 1966 through into uh, 69 were very happy years for me. I was learning uh, to, to read the Bible in Hebrew, to read the Talmud in Hebrew and Aramaic. Uh, and and uh, to study Jewish thought, Jewish philosophy—I uh, don't know—it was just uh, just amazing education that I have never, uh, you know, given up being immersed in, and uh, that led to my getting into Jewish scholarship of one kind or another. And um, I, I don't know. Ever, ever since then, I, I so you know part of my uh, being an Amah uh, coexists in a strange way <laughs> with. Um, you know, my um, davening in Hebrew, that is, say, saying the prayers in, in the Jewish chant in Hebrew. Um, um, and on on Saturday afternoon, I, I study both a page of Talmud and also later on in the afternoon, a page of Zohar, the, the, the great uh, uh, Bible, you could say, of Jewish mysticism, a mystical commentary on the five books of Moses. And, uh, it, it, you know, it's a brilliant work done by a 13th century Spanish Jew named Moses of Leon. And uh, I don't know, uh, uh, my life is kind of, uh, uh, my religious parameters are kind of defined by that. Plus, I've had uh, a long time involvement with what we call countercultural Judaism. Um, It's what moved me to Boston in the first place. I met uh, uh, a fellow named Art Green, Arthur Green, who is a major authority on Jewish mysticism and especially Hasidism and has written books on those subjects. And... um, and uh, he came to Los Angeles. I met him on January first, nineteen sixty-nine, uh, when he was re- trying to recruit people uh, for a what was then going to be an alternative rabbinical seminary, um, and um, uh, and and became a, a, a and, and a religious community called Chabarat Shalom, uh, literary community of peace or fellowship of peace, and um, th- they met in Cambridge, Massachusetts, back then. Later on, Somerville, Massachusetts. And um, I, I, the upshot was that I moved to Boston to be with that community, and I've had um, uh, off and on a, a, a very steady relationship with them uh, over over many years. Eventually, that original Havurat Shalom group fell apart; people dispersed in many directions. Art went on to get a Ph.D. at Brandeis and and uh, became a, pro- a professor uh, both there and other places. And anyway, he and he now is sort of the he's uh, just past eighty and has been writing commentaries on on uh, uh, the Torah portion of the week, um, a, a, which he sends out by email every, every week. So anyway, that, uh, the upshot is that that, that has been uh, the defining element of my own religious belief, while at the same time, the lady here, my, my, my beloved Carol, you know, has brought me closer to Buddhism. And we have been on Buddhist meditation retreats and we do sitting meditation. Uh, uh, from time to time, it should be more often, but uh, we, we, we both uh, sort of, I don't know, getting into that uh, swinging together to do a sitting meditation is is a once in a while thing, but but I, I love it and uh, and uh, I hope she does too. but she anyway. Does.
0: You can tell she does. Um, <laughs> so did you ever have a synagogue where you were a rabbi? Did you lead services?
1: I I had sort of student rabbinical posts of one kind or another. I was a uh, Jewish teacher at a summer camp one time. I uh, was an advisor or or teacher to Jewish youth groups in Southern California. Uh, but I, I and uh, there were there were there was one year when I had a cantorial gig, uh, and and uh, in a place I guess it was Saugus, California. Uh, there was a synagogue that that met for the high holidays. And uh I a fellow rabbinical student uh, 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 uh kind of broke me into doing this because by then I was I was doing a, a very amateurish but but uh somehow uh, convincing to other people cantillation uh, of 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 the chanting of prayer and so forth and I remember our doing a, a Yom Kippur service uh in Saugus California and they and the, the congregants loved it. <laughs> And I don't know, I, I had, and also once for about six weeks in a summer, I was a I was a student rabbi um, for, for a congregation in the Valley.
0: Why didn't uh, you go ahead and be an official <laughs> long-term rabbi?
1: Well, um, in those days, Hebrew Union College, I might have had Hebrew Union College um, had a full five-year rabbinic program, but they only had a two-year rabbinic program. I, I took a third year just to do some graduate courses there. And um, I would have had to move to Cincinnati, which I wasn't crazy about. I had a friend in my best friend, uh, one of my best friends in rabbinical school, uh, moved there with his wife and and was not so comfortably settled in there. And I went to visit them and they weren't all that happy with Cincinnati. And I don't know, I just somehow did not um, feel all that drawn to continuing. Probably if I had continued and become a rabbi, I probably would have gone on to get a PhD in Jewish studies and, and, and be a teacher in a university, which is close to what I, which is what I do basically now.
0: Um, When I think of like the Torah, the old Testament view of Yahweh, um, he's punitive. He's kind of like what Carol said. He kind of watches and punishes and does special favors and miracles kind of capriciously with, Abraham and Sarah, whoever. So, how how do you make that kind of ancient view of a warrior god relevant to being Jewish now?
1: Well, I, I think both Judaism and Christianity underwent a um, you know profound change in religious attitudes from the punishing God of the Hebrew Bible. But actually, the the God of the Hebrew Bible <clears throat> is also a forgiving God. There, there's a lot of emphasis, especially. Um, in um, uh, the, the prophet Jeremiah, but Isaiah and Micah, and all, all of the great prophets of, of of the of the ancient Hebrew nation, the ancient Israelite nation, you know, were a- into uh, uh, emphasizing the divinity's capacity for forgiveness, and uh, that was a very strong emphasis in rabbinic Judaism. You know, as much as the rabbis were strict about ritual matters, uh, but they were they were also uh, you know, eager to say that that divinity is a forgiving being and somebody who you know welcomes uh, teshuva, which is to say repentance or uh, returning. Uh, the word literally means returning home, uh, but returning home from some wayward uh, practice or, or or way of life. And uh, I don't know. And then the the uh, ritual of atonement once a year on on the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur. You know, is a very um, <clears throat> powerful uh, uh organizer of our spiritual life i think in, in a certain way and and uh, uh i don't know i uh, and carol and i uh every year have this a- annual tradition of my teaching something at Chavarach Shalom, and uh so i will often teach a text this past year it was uh something from jeremiah and uh um, a couple of I guess, past couple of years in a row. I also, on the holiday of Shavuot uh, in the springtime, it's it's uh, the Jewish version of Pentecost, 50 days after um, uh, after the beginning of Passover. Um, uh, uh, God gave the Torah at Mount Sinai, and um, and the commemoration of that is to stay up all night with a group of people, which I do with people of haver Shalom, studying uh, Jewish lore. Uh, from midnight to dawn. And um, I know that's become a, an important ritual for me as well. Mm. I hope I'm, I feel like I'm sounding off too, too much here. Though. No,
0: no, 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 <laughs> no, not at all. It's really interesting. Um, well, then just why don't you tell us how you went to graduate school after the okay. three years so, of school? So
1: the multicultural perspective in me was, was still uh, very strong. And I uh, in um, 1970, 70, or no, 19, yeah, it so 1969, 70. I started applying to graduate schools, uh, largely out of peer group pressure, because a lot of my uh, friends in Chavarat Shalom were in graduate school earning PhDs. So I decided I, I, I should earn one as well. Mm-hmm. And I applied to graduate school in four different fields. Um, uh, to uh, uh, I applied to uh, UC Berkeley in comparative lit. I applied to, and uh, the the reigning teacher there would have been Robert Alter, um, who's, uh, well, had a very complicated career. Um, I applied to um, Harvard in religion. I applied to Brandeis in Near Eastern and Judaic studies. And I applied to uh, (laughs) the riskiest uh, uh, career development of all, uh, UC Santa Cruz, to study the history of consciousness. And I was uh, very, I had read Norman O'Brown's book, Love's Body, uh, and was really blown away by it. He had uh, gone through psychoanalysis and did this kind of poetic, free associative uh, work about um, uh, sort of revolution in, in one's soul and spirit and, and also in society. And uh, he wrote uh, this uh, amazing almost stream of consciousness book. He later uh, started writing about James Joyce. Uh, which that was uh, another uh, favorite author of mine and uh anyway so I was drawn to Santa Cruz probably most of all of all of all the peoples. and uh, anyway I got into all four universities wow
2: and, that's and, impressive and,
1: <laughs> well <laughs> I guess so I had pretty good grades as an undergraduate and uh and good recommendations and so forth uh I can't say I'm a superb you know uh, uh, uh worldly accomplished scholar I, I i've done scholarship in in many ways i i think of my own scholarship as dilettante and uh, anyway I, I'll, I'll sidestep uh self-castigation here but um
0: what, what did you do your dissertation on
1: i well i i searched around for for a couple of years for a, for a subject for a while i was into um, Shakespeare and Milton. For a while, I was into, you know, Renaissance art, and it, because I had a, a terrific teacher there in that field, Harry Berger Jr., who um, uh, is a, a true polymath and also, in some ways, inventor of the concept of history of consciousness, mm-hmm. uh, at least as it was applied at Santa Cruz. Mm-hmm. And um, and he was a Shakespeare scholar mostly, but but was into everything from medieval art to Robert Frost to um, uh, uh, he, he was also a jazz pianist, uh, and and you know just an amazingly accomplished guy in many fields, and and uh, with uh, very wonderfully heterodox views of literature and and the role of bad faith in uh, in in literary stories, and uh, I don't know one thing led to another, and I, I eventually uh, uh s- circled around to studying the Hebrew Bible. Um, I, you know, done a lot of s- substantive work as at Hebrew Union college. Yeah. And, um, I don't know, I, I somehow I, I, I started, uh, uh, writing about, um, well, three story cycles in particular. One was the garden of Eden story itself. And another was the Abraham cycle, uh, Genesis uh, 12 through 25. Um, uh, and then the third was uh, the narratives of the rise and history of King David. And, um, and I, so I, I eventually re- did a doctoral dissertation that eventually led to a book, my, my first and so far only uh, singly authored book uh, um, um, uh, called King and Kin, Political Allegory in the Hebrew Bible. And I had gone into Santa Cruz kind of as a Jungian uh, and came out a Marxist. Uh, I wanted to study class struggle. And that has been a continual theme in my scholarship and my film studies career, which is something else that I took off in uh, in the late 1990s. I started getting involved in what I call the cinema of Jewish experience and uh, started writing about that. And uh, I, I don't know, just all of this uh, uh, has come together in my life in, in a strange way, but also frequently painful way. Um,
0: what, where and what are you teaching now?
1: Well, I, I uh, have been a, a professor at Santa Cruz since 19... 19- <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yes, uh, I, I got hired at Tufts in 1980. And uh, so I have been there uh, a bit over 42 years. and um, and uh, But I'm still waiting to be a full professor because I have not ever completed a second singly authored book, except that I have. And I'm now searching for a publisher for it um i I, have written a a book of uh, six chapters i'm sorry five chapters that deal with six films of jewish experience that were made in the years um, uh, between 1899 and 1947 Mm -hmm. and my aim is 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 uh uh, exploring the uh era of catastrophe which i don't just see as the holocaust i see it as starting in 1914 and and going uh, up to roughly 1945 and uh, so that period of, of, of uh, the era of catastrophe has been my continuing preoccupation, mm. both in my film courses and in an indirect way in my biblical studies courses. So mm. I teach biblical studies. Two of my course load courses are, one is a course on the book of Genesis. Another is uh, called the story of King David, but it begins with the story of Moses in the Exodus and, and the polar opposites represented by, by Moses and David. And uh, and then my other uh, two courses are what I'm in uh, th- pres- presently wrapping up a course uh, in uh, Classics of World Cinema, which is not a Jewish studies course at all, um, uh, except by you know bringing in occasional mention of Jewish experience. Uh, but um, the other course in the spring is called uh, 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 Jewish Experience on Film. And that is a, a, a survey of Jewish films from 1899 onward.
0: Do you get um, like evangelical fundamental Christians in your courses as well because they want to study Old Testament?
1: Uh, well, occasionally not so much evangelicals, uh, uh, more more just, I, I, there are a lot of students in the, uh, who uh, gravitate to the religion department and my course is cross-listed with religion courses. So I, I, I actually, my present course on the book of Genesis is about 80, uh, all, well, it's, uh, it's uh, 10, I've got 10 students and nine of them are not Jewish, um, um, and uh, so you know they're they're drawn to uh, learn about the Hebrew Bible, and 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 uh, I, I don't know some, somehow we've we've all hit it off as a as a class, and, uh, and I, I'm I'm very uh, fond of them. Yeah, I get sad when my students uh, disperse, and uh, I will have I will be sad about this group as well.
0: I know what you mean. Um, Carol, we left, you were in high school, and then wh- where did you go to university? What were you studying? So um,
2: we, uh,
0: uh,
2: from about the age of almost 16 on, I was on the cusp of being a an active alcoholic. Wow. Um, I mean, from the first time I drank, uh, after we moved up to Melrose, uh, it, I, I knew that, th- th- or I, that this was, you know, what I wanted to be doing with my life. <laughs> so, wow. um, so it's like everything. And then, uh, and later on, a couple, a couple of years later, I, um, I, I had always had a a uh, kind of troubled relationship with food and uh, particularly with sweet things. And I, I became a bulimic. And um, so it seems like, you know, everything I did, I went to college. I I, I only applied to state colleges. Um, and I the first college that accepted me was the University of New Hampshire. And I just wanted to get away. And... Um, my first year i was an english major my my first year of college i i did pretty well um but uh you know my my primary interest was in um scoring drugs this was 1969 70 and um and also this was the year which you may remember in the spring of the spring of 1970 that uh all the campuses in America shut down be, because of um, the student uh, student revolt
0: <laughs> because of uh, the war
2: yeah, yeah yeah. Um, so um, so that I was so much more preoccupied with that in my first year. And then my second year, I moved off campus and i had a I had a boyfriend. I was living with a boyfriend at the time, and um, and i was stoned i I smoked dope every day of that semester of that school year i did i did manage to um in the summer of my freshman year after i i I, you know after everything kind of settled down with the um with the revolution (laughs) uh i i had i had speaking of Nietzsche, I had taken a course on, um, three philosophers, Plato, uh, Plato, Hume, and Nietzsche. And I decided that I wanted to learn German. So I did an intensive course that summer at the Goethe Institute. And, um, and I, I did very well in the course. And I, I I did take, uh, take some more German courses in my sophomore year because my objective was to go to Europe for my junior year and I did I went uh, to Salzburg, Austria. And um, that it was academically it was a wasted year it I I a few years ago I dug up my transcript from that year I only completed two courses. And I was just fucking up, you know, I was, I was drinking, uh, I was doing drugs, I was mostly drinking. By the time uh, I, I got to Austria, I was, you know, uh, there There were various uh, relationships and uh, sexual liaisons. And, yeah. um, you know, there, There, I, I, as I'm talking about this, I find myself wanting to use the word I had a kind of nihilism in me. And, um, and i thought i wanted to be a writer but i never wrote uh i'm a good writer joel knows he that you a really good writer but um but i i i, I had no self discipline and when i came back after my junior year i um i dropped out of school and i was i lived with my parents for a while moved into boston worked as a waitress um was drinking every night. Um, and uh, in, I guess it was the, around the, the it was the fall, the, the late summer, early fall of 1974. I, 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 just, I just wanted to get, get out of, get away, start over again, geographic cure, um, as they say in AA. Uh, and I, um, I moved to California, I moved to LA and uh, I didn't know Joel then, <laughs> and um, and in fact, Joel was living here. Well, you were no, you were in you were in Santa Cruz at that point, seventy four.
1: Yeah, I was still there. I, well, I moved back here in seventy four, but yes.
2: And um, and it was more of the same, you know, uh, in in California. Uh, although I did I did end up uh, with a Jew, uh, another Jewish boyfriend. Um, Actually, my first boyfriend in college was also Jewish, uh, but Michael, my friend Michael, uh, who, no, I I won't get into his story, but Michael didn't drink, and he, um, he uh, was a big eater, and that became his downfall, actually, but, um, but with, with Michael, I, he he taught me to play chess, he, he, he was a, an avid reader of Scientific American and popular science magazines, and I started reading uh, uh, articles by Murray Gell-Mann and Steven Weinberg and uh, you know quarks and elementary particle physics. And I was always a, an excellent student in math. Um, and, um, and as you know it became, you know, more obvious that you know Michael. Michael had a lot of challenges and was not really capable of sustaining any kind of a relationship or a or a career or and you know and I was cut from similar cloth actually, but but as as much as I as I loved him actually at the at the time. Um, it was a dead end, and um, and I decided to go back to school, and I, I I I was going to study something practical, and I was going to be a chemistry major. Um, which I, I had hated science in high school. I loved math, but I hated uh, you know I I took high school biology, and I I didn't no, no other science class beyond that was required, so I never took one, but I. Um, I was able with California residency to go to Cal State LA for $62.50 a quarter at that time <laughs> in 1976 and. I for the it was really the first time in my life in a sustained way I had I had, had spurts of you know, being able to really focus on something and write a paper, but. Um, for the first two years of my return to to school, I and, and I quickly changed my major from chemistry to physics. Um, it was a small physics department. It wasn't a you know it wasn't Caltech, but it, but and it was I was the only female, and I became very good friends with all the the men. It, and it was mostly older students. I was 24 when I went back and. Um, most of the most of my peers were uh had were e- either around that age or or a little younger a little older and um and it, i i i wasn't drinking and uh i was still bulimic but it was just kind of you know that was just sort of my daily thing that wasn't it wasn't a big drama um and uh, i i i, I Many years later, I read a book by Penelope Fitzgerald uh, called The Blue Flower about the German um, polymath uh, poet, mathematician, scientist, uh, uh, Nova, who was who went by the name Novalis, and uh, one of the chapters in the book was uh, uh, called Algebra is like Laudanum. Laudanum mm-hmm. is, you know, a, a, an opiate. opiate. Yeah. And, um, and it, it was for me. I mean, I could I could just go out, take long walks, and do my physics homework in my head. And um, and it, it was I, I felt I felt good about myself for the first time. And um, you know that lasted for a while, and then it didn't. Then I started getting losing my direction and getting bored. I got my degree, I. Uh, I got accepted at MIT and UC Berkeley, which I didn't get accepted at Caltech for graduate school. But I ended up getting married to one of my um, one of my fellow students, Brian, who was two years younger than me, and um, he was he still hadn't finished. And and then he was no no did we finish at the same day? anyway he. He got a teaching job in Bellflower, teaching physics in high school. So I decided to stay in LA and I, I applied to UCLA like in July or August uh, for the, for September. And when Brian was down in Bellflower, he had a place there and I we weren't living together, but we, we were married. And um, we, we went to Reno to get married. <laughs> I, don't think, I think that's kind of inauspicious, you know. Reno is where people go to <laughs> dissolve the marriage. But um, uh, and I, I started drinking pretty heavily again at that point, and I I wasn't connecting with my uh, fellow students. I don't remember. I remember there was one other woman in the department, but I. I
0: you got I, into uh, UCLA physics grad. Yeah.
2: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, I was, uh, I, w- whatever had driven and d- sustained me during those, uh, th- those years at Cal State, it was, it, 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 it had fizzled. And um, so, I mean, this was a repetitive pattern in my life. And, um, and uh, so I ended up taking the comprehensive exams, which I had not even studied for, and um, getting, uh, I, I passed at the, um, I, I didn't pass at the candidacy level, but I did, I, I was, they did give me a terminal master's degree. And I moved back to Boston, and Brian moved back up after me. Brian ended up being a, a very serious and a tragic alcoholic, actually, and he, he died about, 15 years ago, I think, 10, maybe 10, 12 years ago, I'm not sure. Um, And um, but uh, he came, he came back after he finished his school year. And by the end of that was so that was like in June and by the end of that that year, um, he was uh, we had decided to break up, and it was very amicable, actually. But it just—it just wasn't working. I, I actually another letter I found recently was, or no, the the letter the, the, I mentioned a letter to somebody earlier today. Um, that you know I I it was some a letter he sent me a couple of months after he left, and it was so sweet. Actually, it was. Um, it made me really appreciate what we what we did have because we started out as friends we were just buddies you know we were like litter mates and um and uh, it, it was too bad that it took the sexual turn <laughs> i think we could have been friends for life um so uh so anyway this the next couple of years I was in Boston, I was teaching at a, a, a technical um, college, it was only it was a two year program then I think they're four year college now called Wentworth Institute. Um, mostly boys and, and I I was doing a terrible job I had no experience teaching and I really. I, you know, looking back, I needed I needed so much mentorship and. Um, you know people to people people to vet ideas or you know just just i i needed i, I needed in, intellectual uh companionship <laughs> and um and i needed guidance and I, I i was absolutely incapable of not only not of asking for it i was incapable of thinking that i i would need it or or, or want it and um and so uh during during my time in la the the last uh couple years in la um i had gotten involved in um i i i I'll, i'll just back up a little in my very first years in la i used to like to listen uh late at night on kpfk to alan watts do you remember alan watts being broadcast back then this was like seventy, seventy five, seventy six, 75 76 and um and i was just i i was in love with Alan watts <laughs> he he was my guru i mean I, I i i didn't go beyond that i i i read i am that i i no, is it i am that no i forget what his famous book is
1: but i, I... mama see that you are oh, no. Oh, no 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 anyway
2: and anyway i don't want to get hung up on this uh, and i i also um started going i i went to a a um a meditation group uh that had you know somebody put up a flyer on the ucla campus and um the uh you know it was about Four or five people that sat in a little room on one of the campus buildings and um, for twenty minutes and then we'd do a 10 minute walking meditation and then sit again and it was absolute hell. I, I couldn't I couldn't sit for two minutes. I, 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 I every cell in my body was screaming, but um,
0: oh, excuse me, I looked it up. It's this is this is it. This and is and other it? essays on Zen and spiritual experience. I think I Alan have this is it. Uh, i think it's another
2: one of his books anyway it doesn't it doesn't matter and um and i even did a couple of uh, weekend sessions at the zen center and um uh a a very there were some very well-known teachers like bernie glassman and uh charlotte joko beck uh came out of that um that community uh, and charlotte joko beck was my teacher and it was Kind of exciting to have a a, a woman Roshi. uh, um, But as with everything me and everything at that point, you know, the the connection was tenuous and it didn't last. Um, But it was always in the back of my mind that there's something powerful in this practice of, of silent meditation stillness and uh, and silence. And um, so at kind of a critical point in my unraveling over the, the years of 1982 and 83, um, I saw a religion notice. The Boston Globe used to have um, a, a little religion section in the front part of the paper every Saturday and, um, and there was an announcement of a retreat at a um, it was at a Catholic uh, a Catholic uh, convent or in um, Petersham Massachusetts in central Massachusetts. Um, and it was billed as a Buddhist Christian meditation retreat. And it wasn't because of the Christian part that, that I thought, oh, this is for me, but it just happened to be a time, it was before I had to go back and teach, it was early January, and, um, and it was Buddhist, and that was what drew me. And I did this seven-day retreat with, that was taught by a Carth- Carthusian monk um, from the Grand Chartres, he, he was American, But he he had come from the Grand Chart in uh, in France, and um, he had gotten a special dispensation uh, because of his own interest in Buddhism. Uh, He he framed it to his superiors as he wanted to do a comparative comparative study of Buddhist and Christian contemplative traditions. But really, he just he wanted to practice Buddhism. And he had just done a three month <laughs> retreat at Insight Meditation Center, which is the next town over from Petersham. It's in Barry, Massachusetts. And he had just come fresh off that retreat and he taught it with another man who was also from the retreat and was a, a, an Episcopal deacon, I think. And there, there, it was the two of them and maybe five uh, participants. And, and we, except for a little, Christian Catholic liturgy in the late morning every day, which I often chose to skip. Um, we were in silence, and um, and it took me someplace. It took me. It took me to. Uh, you know, in the in the AA big book, they talk about being catapulted into the fourth dimension of existence, <laughs> and and it was. It was sort of like that. It, it, I mean, it was it was an experience unlike anything I had, had. I, I had never really had any really good experiences on LSD, which I, which I only did for a short period in the um, in the very early seventies, um, and um, I, I, I just knew that I wanted more. Of course, that's my natural <laughs> way, you know, wanting more.
0: More sweets, and, more alcohol, more Buddhism.
2: Yeah, and so <laughs> I, you know, I got through the, uh, I got through the, the final semester. Um, but, you know, I thought that I was, I was going to come out of this retreat and be. saved be saved, be enlightened be at least free from my old habits and compulsions and that wasn't the case and it was a it was a very rough year getting i i did a couple more you know like retreats at ims uh, a couple i did one in in the winter uh, i mean in the early spring and one in the late summer shorter retreats and then i was signed up for this three-month retreat at at uh, Insight Meditation Society, IMS, and um, and I, I don't need to go into the retreat was unbelievably painful <laughs> in every possible way, um, and yet I I mean I really felt that you know this this is it for me I, it, I, it, no matter how horrible it is no matter how bad a meditator i am i don't have any choice um i don't think i actually put it in those words but and and i stayed with it and i stayed with it and i stayed with it for like about a 100 days um and when it was over uh ims has this um, for for people that have at, at that time for for people that had completed a three-month retreat and it I, IMS I, I don't know if you know about Vipassana meditation insight meditation but it, it's not a cult it's not you know this is not uh, something centered on a charismatic guru no. or it, it's it's Western teachers most of them are Jewish actually um, who who studied and uh, practiced in India they wandered off and went to India or Thailand and came back and just really wanted to share what they had learned and um, and so there was there was an opportunity to um, to continue on in what was called long-term yogi status which I did for, for a year. And um, it was very, very cheap at that time, but I couldn't afford it. It was like seven hours, $7 a day. Uh, but there was a woman there from Hawaii who had taken a liking to me, who had been on the retreat and um, she offered to subsidize me for... And I'm one of my great regrets is that I lost contact with her and I never, I, I never properly thanked her. I mean, it, after it was over, I never... Uh, I I never got to acknowledge that to her. And I went on staff as a cook there and um, uh, anyway, this changed my life in many, many ways. It was not what stopped me from either drinking or binging and purging, um, although it pretty much did. I, I, I was able to stay away from alcohol. I, I occasionally, when I left IMS, when I was on staff, I, I would, and I would go home for a visit, I'd, I'd drink. Um, but after after a uh, Christmas party at my sister's with one of my IMS friends in 1985, I um, I knew that it had to stop, I, you know, that I, I just didn't want to do it anymore. and I And I didn't drink for nine years after that um then i had a two-year relapse in the 90s and but anyway um the the food thing was much more much more stubborn and cunning baffling and powerful as they say um and um but it but you know, I, I Joel has friends from five, the age of five, and from high school and from college. And I, I really, I have hardly any friends from earlier than IMS. And um, you know, I was just, uh, I, I, like, I did not, I couldn't sustain relationships with people. And um, so my closest friends are people either either that um, that I got to know there or that or subsequent to that time.
0: Let me ask you this. If people drink to numb out pain or holes, wounds or whatever, what what I mean, I know you've thought about this a lot, but what 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 was the drinking numbing? for you?
2: Well, I mean, I, I wouldn't say that people drink too with an intention to numb out I mean, people may sometimes do that. And but that I, I think that alcoholics really have a as they say a threefold disease that is uh, physical mental and, and or emotional and and spiritual and and you know my i think i i, I felt enormous shame uh, enormous shame and um and self self-loathing that i was you know i i felt like I was intelligent and I, I had talents and abilities and it was as if they didn't exist because I, I, I could not really give myself to any, anything I undertook except, except in short spurts. And do you then, think
0: that had anything to do with having the conflict about being told Catholicism is the truth and not feeling it's the truth. So there is like a habit pattern of I can't commit to something but I can't. So it it creates a kind of
2: I don't I don't know. Uh, I mean, I think that that would be a little too. Black and white Um,
0: simplistic.
2: I I think even even I know from early childhood, I had the, uh, I had the sweets addiction, you know, stealing money from uh, coins from my mother to, uh, you know, go buy Hostess uh, cupcakes (laughs) at (laughs) Joe Campus's supermarket and, (laughs) and, um, and. You know, whenever, whenever she, she, there was a cake, I'd run my fingers around the frosting. And, um, so, I, I mean, I, I think that that there's a major part of it, because there are so many other ways that I, I, a person could act out in the face of contradictions between the teachings of one's religion and and the, evidence of one's senses and mind and brain. Um, And, you know, I think there was there, there was a definite dearth of um, of affection, encouragement.
0: Okay. um,
2: you know praise and nurturing in my family and I think we all we all uh, reacted differently to that um, my middle sister uh, you know she first ran away from home at the age of 12 and uh, became anorexic and was hospitalized uh, at a uh, at, at, at a children's uh, mental hospital until she aged out at 16 she's doing she's doing very well she she's she does, she's doing fine now she has a phd in economics you know <laughs> she was uh, she and uh, my my next older brother uh, you know both have phd's and um, they they both demonstrated an ability to really stick with something and work hard at it and and get results, like like Joel.
1: <laughs> Better. Hmm? Better, well, I, I don't know. I'm, no. I, Bobby is so accomplished.
2: Well, the, Bobby didn't get his PhD till he was 50. <laughs> okay. He went back to school at yeah. age 40, 42. And um, so and not, I, I think, you know, we weren't given a lot. In terms of um, confidence building, <laughs>
0: what was the idea that if you if you're too affectionate, the children will be spoiled or something? You have to prepare them for the tough world, and you can't. be No, nanny.
2: no, I don't, I don't, I don't think it was a theory. They were of, just busy child with my kids. <laughs> they were they were busy. They were absorbed in themselves. You know, I mean, I, I don't want to get too much into. You know, my, my mother, uh, unlike all of those friends who had the 10 children and stuff, my, my mother was a very extremely gifted pianist and went to New England Conservatory on scholarship Oh, wow! and dropped out uh, in her junior year. Um,
0: to get married?
2: No, she well, she kind of she kind of let it be thought that that was it, but she didn't get married till she was 23. And, um, and, and later when she was dying of breast cancer, she, she told me that uh, she had such disabling um, performance anxiety that she would she would throw up before every performance, she, and she just couldn't take it anymore. Um, but, and, and you know, we grew up thinking of her as just kind of a useless, stupid woman. And she she didn't play much. We knew she could play, but um, until she was in her 50s, after she already had, you know, been through a mastectomy, and she uh, she started playing again and um, practicing like five six hours a day, and c- reconnecting with her old teacher from the conservatory who was still alive and um, visiting her for lessons and, uh, but. Uh, I don't know. My my father was. Uh, this isn't a therapy session. But my my father was. Uh, I worship my father, and um, and my father was very encouraging, and in fact, more encouraging to his daughters than to his sons, because I think he found both of his sons fall fell short. My brother, who has the PhD, is. He's gay. And I think that was probably clear from a very early age. And my youngest brother, uh, you know, he wasn't a very good student. He was just like, like a party boy and, and, uh, but he, you know, he had this way of letting you know that you weren't quite measuring up whether whether you were a daughter or son so i mean you know there as with any family the, the, and any quasi dysfunctional family there, there there's a lot going on but i think the church was just kind of a you know it was it was the milieu that we grew up in but nobody took it that seriously
0: in it's our like family. A background noise or something
2: yeah yeah and then- um and but but it was also i mean it was it was central in a lot of ways and yet it 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 wasn't something that we thought of as a family uh, outside of you know certain limited uh activities and 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 i i brought a certain skepticism i think to school with me um I, I i there was a phase where i used to wish that i had been one of these devout and pas- passionate children that uh, you know that uh was enamored of you know the cult of mary or something but but i i didn't really have that in me um and um and so i i think i got off pretty easily from the catholic education. And also another thing that I I thought of after my my first round, and and I don't want to be taking up much time, was that, um, you know, I guess I probably entered seventh grade in 1963. That's, That's the year Kennedy was was assassinated, and I was in seventh grade. And during that period of from you know from middle school to to through high school there was just so much more going on in the world outside of um the 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 strictures and the 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 the, the, the just the narrow world of of catholic school and catholic church and and you know there was a spirit of rebellion even among the catholic school girls and mm. when i the year that i left the catholic school the senior class which was very small there were no more than 60 girls and at least five of them were known to be pregnant <laughs> <laughs> and that was an uncommon i don't think um and 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 we used to roll our skirts up and write on each other's we had these bl- this uh black blue and gray plaid uh, pattern on, and, and we, we'd, we'd, we'd write, you know, autograph each other's skirts and roll them up above our knees and we'd go in the bathroom and smoke. And so, <laughs> so you know, the spirit of rebellion and of, of breaking the rules was, uh, was stronger, I think, not only for me personally, but in the culture of, of the schools at that time uh the, then the power then and also the nuns were starting to leave i'll just tell you one more detail about my my sophomore year history american i think it was american history teacher was sister ann Dolores at sacred hearts academy and then we moved up to melrose and two years later i mean when my brother who's two years younger than me took his sophomore history class. She was his teacher, her name was Helen Donovan. She had gone, she had left the convent and gone, and she was my mother's age. They, okay. in fact, they were class, they were classmates. Um, wow. so, so, there was just, you know, if I had been born 10 years earlier, it might've been different. And 10 years later, it probably, you know, the, the school, the, that school was closed 10 years later. Wow. It didn't exist anymore, so. Yeah. So, it was it was a time of, of a lot of. Rebellion. Ferment and rebellion and transitions.
0: So the last we heard is you were a cook at the at the center. Then what have you done workwise since since?
2: Oh, well, that's. <laughs> I mean, uh, what I've done since then, I think, you know, facing those. The things that I drank and ate over. Um, you know, a big part of it was that I, I never felt that I had a place or that I had a um, I, I never went back to physics. After two years of teaching it, I I, I never I, I never looked back. Wow. Um,
1: You've had a romance with music.
2: I've had a romance with music all my life, but Not your um, mother. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we got piano lessons the, the two oldest kids got them and um and I you know, we all have um,
0: uh, uh,
2: all except for John, I think we all have a, ro- a romance with music. And I I have played on and off. I've um I've played a lot of early music. I was a church organist for a while. Um I um uh, well, tra- I, I that, Not to get into the religious dimension of that because I I mostly worked as a um, as a sub what they call a supply organist and um, so that I I was not, you know, I might have a a gig that was several months long because the, the, the regular organist was
0: in all so, different kinds of churches, or Catholic churches. Yeah, different things?
2: kind. Of, I I played in some Catholic churches. Mm-hmm. A lot of around here, it's Congregational, um, uh, Unitarian, Episcopalian. Okay. Um, Christian Science even. <laughs> and um, you know, I'm not that good, but lately I've been I've been trying to play jazz, and I and I'm totally in love with that, but. Um, and, you know, I was always taking courses. Uh, I ended up uh, uh, around the time I moved back here. Um, so I, I said that I, I was sober for nine years. And then between 1995 and 1997, or January, 1997, I, uh, I had a relapse of drinking and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't that I thought I've just, I gotta It was that I was hanging out with people, musicians, actually, who weren't drinking heavily, but they, you know, they were playing Baroque music, you know, and go out for a beer afterwards. And eventually I thought, you know, uh, all all these years away from it. And I've had, um, you know, I've had some deep spiritual experiences in my um, in my Buddhist practice. And uh, I thought I could handle it, and it turned out I couldn't. And I, I ended up moving back to California and getting together with Michael, whom I mentioned from the previous time in California. And um, and that didn't that that was not a good <laughs> a good choice. But I I I was I was drinking at that time, and it it was you know, it was just kind of pathetic middle-aged drinking, you know, it just, I, I got a, I got a job at, as a, um, um, at, I, I got, I got a job at UCLA. Uh, I was managing a um, computer lab <laughs> in the chemistry department. And, um, and, uh, you know, I was working all day and then stopping at the liquor store on the way home. and. And I, I ended up getting into AA in Los Angeles, and um, I don't know if you're you're in Chico. Yes, so you're not in Los Angeles anymore. But um, th- th- I think the best AA in the world is in Los Angeles, California. It's the meetings are great. I I, I made friends there, um, and That's I really I really got into AA for the first time. Uh, I had been active in Overeaters Anonymous before that, but. Um, and that led me back to OA, and uh, I've—it's been a long time since I've uh, purged, um, a very long time. But um, but I was still—I uh, I was still tormenting myself with food, <laughs> and um, and I've I've been abstinent. It's the term we use in OA uh, since um, since July of. 2005. And um, so, you know, between the, the 12 steps and my continued Buddhist practice, um, you know, that's really my uh, spiritual anchor, I guess.
0: Great. Um, Joel, why don't you start with the romance connection, how you and Carol <laughs> met? Uh, passing over each other between LA and Boston, LA and Boston.
2: I'm I'm just gonna turn my video off for a minute because I have a few more bites of my lunch that I wanna finish.
0: Go ahead, thanks.
1: Okay. Um, Well, uh, I was friends with a a person at Tufts. Uh, I mean, he had actually, I had actually known him since before Tufts. Um, His wife was a friend of mine uh, named Barbara, a poet named Barbara Einzig and um in any case she she uh, was living with David at the time that I first got to know her and uh and then uh, eventually um, they got married and um and um uh, and and then David uh, who was an anthropologist by trade, uh, got a job teaching anthropology at Tufts. and so he moved to Boston in nineteen ninety and um he and I fell in as friends and 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 uh, hung out together a fair amount. We shared love of movies and a number of other things. And and uh, I, um, well, in any case, uh, he went through a whole bunch of cycles in his life. He and his wife eventually split up. Uh, they had a daughter, but they, they eventually split up. And uh, he had a girlfriend for a while. Anyway, it was a complicated set of things, but he eventually... Uh, uh, got together with a, a woman named Kate Wheeler, who's a novelist. Uh, she's a dear friend of Carol's and um, and also a very good friend of Martha uh, Robeson, uh, uh, our own high school uh, friend, Martha Robeson, uh, who uh, later became Martha Bardack as she was at the Uni High Union in 1981 under the name Martha Bardack. But anyway, Martha and Carol were good friends. I think through AA, and um, and um, uh, and uh, in, in general, I, I then started into corresponding by email with um, with Martha, and she and I kind of uh, developed a, a bit of a friendship that we you know had a, a friendly relation in high school, but it was never uh, anything like a friendship. And we wrote to uh, to each other a lot. I would visit her when I went to Los Angeles. And and um, sometime in 1999, um, she happened to be in Boston. And we all got together, uh, a group of friends, which included um, Martha and Kate and Carol, who was visiting Boston at the time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And am I get, getting this you right? You got it here? wrong, Joel. What? <laughs> oh, OK. okay.
2: Well,
1: what did I get wrong? Yeah. We
2: met in 1997. Martha wasn't there. The very first time we met, we went out to the Great Greek.
1: In corner. 1999. Yeah. No,
2: 1997. It was 1997? It was 1997. Oh, wow. And um, Martha wasn't there. Oh,
1: right.
2: okay. Okay. Kate okay. Wiley was there. Kate Wheeler, right. Kate Wiley. Um, right. Matt Glazer and, and Julie Durrell. That's right. And um, and we just we met and uh, nothing happened then. And then I was working at UCLA and I took a course on the Hebrew Bible as English literature, the, the, the King James Bible.
0: Was Joel and teaching it?
2: No, no. Oh. no. And um, Joel was in Boston, I was in LA, even though we're from the opposite places. And, yeah. and I, um, I, was, I read Harold Bloom's Book of J, and there was a point in the book where harold bloom mentions joel rosenberg's king and kin so i wrote to kate wheeler and said hey i'm um i'm i'm reading uh, king uh, i'm reading a book by harold bloom and he mentions your friend joel rosenberg and then she wrote to you and i think she might have because kate tends to gild the lily and she might have said that harold rosenberg praised you to the heavens or something
1: (laughs) yes yes she exaggerated and then
2: you wrote back and said no you know that 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 can't be and finally she said here 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 each other's emails you two work it out and and we started an an epistolary relationship that this was like in 98 they said perfect for
1: english
0: both english majors it's perfect
2: (laughs) and then uh, and then in 99 we actually got together in person
0: how i mean did you what was the impetus to get together i mean was it um Uh,
2: because we 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 started if you're of a certain um temperament or disposition epistolary uh uh, love can um can blossom very quickly <laughs> and intensely <laughs> and um and 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 also that at that point martha uh martha and i were very very close friends and we still are and um so martha knew you and um and right. and but you had gotten together with martha before i I think before You and I were.
1: uh, Yeah, well, uh, there was one time when I came to L.A. and Martha and I went to a movie or something. Or no, we were going to get together uh, for a movie with you. And uh, somehow I had something else going that night and couldn't couldn't do it. But but, um, I'm trying to think. You wrote to me asking for advice about this paper you were writing about Psalm 139. Yeah. And and, uh, you eventually sent me the paper. And it was a beautiful essay. Uh, a really I lovely. wrote you. Uh,
2: I was thinking of writing about the Bridegroom of Blood.
1: Yes. Yes.
2: And um, you. You sent me all these sources, and I, I sent I was... you an
1: Israeli short story by a uh, uh, Hebrew writer named right. Azaz. Yeah. And uh, but then it, it it evolved that you got more interested in Psalm one thirty nine and, and and wrote and this
2: the, and the Book of Job. Yeah.
1: In the Book of Job. <laughs> and and he wrote this paper about uh, about that. And um, and I wrote back a, a very friendly and appreciative letter. You you praised essay.
2: me. You praised me very highly, and I, I'm a sucker for
1: that. I praised you to the skies, like Harold Bloom, and more yes. not like Harold Bloom. praised me to the skies, <laughs> but anyway, yes, and that led to our epistolary exchange. Yeah, for, for growing closer. That's right. So
0: then, how did you get together face to face?
1: Well, we had we had uh, that one night we had dinner at the Greek corner restaurant. this was in seventy ninety ninety seven had a dinner at this at the Greek corner restaurant in uh, North Cambridge where uh, i was i hadn't no, I guess I wasn't living there any anymore um, but um and um and Carol was there and and uh, I don't know we as you as Carol said, you know, we didn't hit it off as uh, uh, as a couple or anything, but we kind of agreed that at some point we would get together or we would, you know, uh, meet for coffee or dinner or something. Um, and, uh, and then in 1999, it was after it was on, not long after new year's Eve of 2000 that I wrote to you, I wrote Carol and said, um, I, I basically described new year's Eve and, um, and, and I don't know, I was describing the whole experience of observing, uh, the turning of the millennium. I spent it with uh, an old sort of sometime girlfriend named, named, uh, Cheryl Pleskow. Um, uh, we, we spent an evening together, uh, uh, out in Western Massachusetts. I think she lived, uh, well, I forgot where she was living at the time, but I, I went to visit her. And, um, then when I came back, I, we were corresponding about, um, uh, about the you know the turning of the year and the turning of the millennium and I don't know somehow uh, uh, it 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 got into a desire to get together and and we did and you came to visit. I, remember... I came to
2: visit. It was it was around Easter because we went to Sue Ellen and Jerry's. This is a a Jewish friend of Joel's who um, I could I my... couldn't believe that they were that they were celebrating Easter and serving ham, but <laughs> but they did.
1: That was Sue Ellen. It's her birthday today. I have to write her. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, she was my across the street neighbor and and uh, we had gotten to be. But by then young, she
2: had moved to another, another But street. she moved
1: to another part of Watertown. And, uh, but you came earlier. You came, I think in, in like February or March. Uh, and I remember cause I, I brought a rose with me to the airport uh, to greet you. And, uh, and, uh, uh, th-
0: and I think that was the the Easter It was Easter a Friday visit night. Though.
1: I brought you home. It was
2: March. It was March, and I think Easter was in March that year.
1: Uh
2: I only made one visit,
1: and the visit here.
0: was specifically to see Joel.
2: Yes, because yeah, we had yeah. been we had been t- talking and writing every day for months.
1: At this point, at this and point, expressing our affection for one another, and and uh, did and you then talk I, on I the
2: phone? Or yeah, oh yeah. We talked on the phone. It, it was kind of a big deal the very first time one of us picked up the phone and I think I was the one that picked up the phone and and you know, escalated from the <laughs> the written medium to
0: getting hot here.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and then Gosh. and then you came out to LA in May for the Uni High.
1: No, it was Hollywood High.
2: Hollywood High. Oh that was yeah. uh, that
0: was 20, in we, 2000. two thousand two thousand. When you met in person in March, was there chemistry with face to face? Not just epistolary chemistry? <laughs> yeah. I think
1: so. Yeah. <laughs> that was nice. And and uh yeah, and we kept our bond and I I I and I loved your dog and uh,
2: <laughs> Yeah, he actually um When he he came to L.A. for the Uni High, uh, I mean, the the Hollywood High uh, reunion. um, We spent quite a lot of time together in in my apartment in in L.A. And but at that point, I I had already decided to move back. And uh, to move in with Joel. And I had a. How old was he then? 11 12 year old dog Sorry. we have a 12 year old dog another 12 year old dog now who um i i didn't want to i had i had driven him out cross country uh in 1996 i i didn't want to do that again and so i sent him with joel in the plane and joel took care of him for at least a month and then i I drove back alone.
1: Yeah, I remember you arriving around June.
2: It was June. It was June June 26th.
1: Oh, okay.
0: So you've been living together for how long? Since then, 22 years. And at what point did you decide you wanted to get married officially?
2: We we got married in 2013. And I think one of the um, Oh, I I think we we were thinking about practical things and um, insurance and that kind of stuff, that kind of stuff. And um, and also my my brother, whom I've mentioned a couple of times now, Bob, um, he's he's gay and he's been with the same Japanese uh, partner for um, since 1985, I think. And they've lived together, they've lived apart, they've had um, they've had side relationships with younger men, and it's and I think that's probably kind of common with gay male couples. Um, But, you know, they are. They're bonded for life and. um, And the Defense of Marriage Act had been shot down by the Supreme Court that year in June. Bobby and Hiromi came. Uh, in fact, all my siblings came uh, for we had a family reunion here, um, a tyranny family reunion uh, in December of 2000, two, 2012. And as I was driving Bobby and Hiromi from the airport, I suggested that you know they might want to think about getting married. They're here in Massachusetts, where it's legal. Um, and uh, you know, the, Hiromi would be able to get a green card if he ever wanted it. And by the time we got to Watertown from uh, <laughs> yeah, Logan the Airport, plan. they decided they decided to go ahead and, and do it. And they uh, I dropped them off. I took their luggage and and, and dropped them off at town uh, the town hall, which was is very near here. And um, that was a Friday, and they had to wait four days to the mar- for the marriage license. They picked up the marriage license on. Tuesday, and we had already lined up a justice of the peace who came to the house.
1: That was Susan, wasn't it? No, no, oh, no, no. Was...
2: That was that was a justice, but Susan came and she brought our neighbor and her daughter came, and they they brought they brought a gift. <laughs> it's the only gift they got, and they got married in our dining room, and and so the idea of getting married just started to seem easier and more uh we saw how easily it could be done and it didn't we had been we had talked about marriage in fact joel proposed to me in 2010
1: roughly yeah it was around then sometime
2: we had been thinking about it for for two or three years
1: you had i think you had been away at ims and i had been at
2: ims i had done a two-week retreat yeah
1: uh, and then and, and we, we
2: went. It a, was the SNS Delhi. We went to the SNS Delhi. Yeah,
1: and you had done a YMZ. sitting meditation at CIMC, and I and I and we went to SNS Delhi. I picked you up, and 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 we went there, and I proposed, and um, yes. so you wanted. But it to took, sit and, and
2: I I thought I think this is is of interest in to your topic that I thought seriously about converting, and I talked to. Uh, at least one rabbi, to Moshe and, um and he led me to think that they could make it really easy for me, <laughs> you know, the got a deal. <laughs> um, and and yet it just didn't feel like, I, I love Judaism and I've learned an enormous amount about Judaism with Joel, and I think you should you should talk tell Gail about our study group. Yeah, yeah. Because well, I mean, it's become a big part of my life. And um, first of and, all, I should.
1: Uh, oh, go ahead. Well, I I, I, out, I
2: interrupted anyway. So.
1: Well, I was just going to say that that Judaism has a a kind of informal tradition that when a, a person comes to seek conversion, that you not. Try to talk them into it that you've tried you to make it
0: difficult there's into- there's a movie about that oh it was in sex in the city
1: oh is it there yeah
0: yeah what's her name um wants to convert because she married harry or whatever his name is and the rabbi shuts the door on her that kind of thing
1: oh well uh, th- there's nothing unfriendly about it i just basically wanted to you know uh, throw it back to carol to Live with that issue for a while and think about it, and you know, only convert if you are feeling you know, deeply serious about it and, and, and want to do it. And, and uh, yes, we study together. We have this group in Newton uh, uh, at the home of a um, uh, MacArthur fellow who's um, uh, the reason that you drive on leaded gas because he did all of the environmental studies of uh, lead in, uh, in, um, as an environmental contaminant. And um, in any case, uh, he and his wife, Ronnie, who has been my friend from Kabbalah Shalom since the 1970s, um, you know, have ha- had a, a, a off and on very close bond. They lived for a while in uh, D.C. and, and we, I fell out of touch with them there. But when they moved to Boston, we fell back into touch and we get together at their house now on average about once a month or sometimes more. Uh, We're going to be with them two weeks in a row this Friday and the following Friday. Uh, But we do, we study Jewish texts of one kind or another, Uh, usually Bible, but sometimes rabbinic literature, sometimes uh, topical studies. Carol once presented a lovely uh, presentation uh, uh, on Jewish music and, uh, and, uh, you know, doing quite wonderful research about it and uh, bringing up a lot of uh, Jewish mystical texts that I hadn't even known about. And um, so, so I don't know, there there are ways in which I think it's been enormously enriching for for both of us.
0: Um, I'm just looking at my dog because she's chewing everything. So, but Carol, you didn't convert? I
2: didn't convert, but um, I feel like Judaism has influenced my life in myriad ways since we've been together and um and i you know it's very important to me and um but i i don't feel the need to have that label or to to get any kind of um you know a stamp that says you're in but Um, do you
0: observe sabbath do you observe oh oh, yes
2: we i i well i don't eat meat so i don't have we do have frequent skirmishes about um, certain utensils that are used to uh to scoop dog food (laughs) that sometimes end up in the sink i'm trying i've (laughs) been trying really hard to be mindful of where that spoon one particular spoon uh, is is stored um but uh but since i don't eat meat or shellfish um it do have salmon once a week yeah we do we do have salmon but salmon is not salmon is parv
1: neutral
0: um and and you don't do work on saturday I mean, Friday oh, night. Oh uh, I mean, no! I mean, I don't, I don't observe
2: Sabbath in the way that Joel does. But we do. Uh, we sit down to lunch together. Yesterday, I, I, I visit someone in the state prison system, and I, I had to do that. But, um, but most Saturdays, we, uh, we, we sit down. We do, uh, and Friday night, we, we do the lighting of the candles. I always light the candles um we we do we sing shalom aleichem and uh do the kiddush and the motzi which is the blessing over the bread um i can sing psalm 23 in hebrew all right <laughs> and, and um now, even though i don't know I, I mean i know the english translation but i don't know all the words that i'm that i'm singing and um And so i mean and as joel said earlier his you know his observance is well he didn't say this but i i think of it as idiosyncratic but totally within the 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 scope of the tradition in, in, in its broadest sense i mean in in a reform synagogue it's okay to turn lights on and off but so you're 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 closer to orthodox than to reform in in many ways, uh, I would I think.
0: Do you wear uh, a yarmulke, Joel?
1: Uh, I do, actually. This was a present from a student uh, who went to Israel. I asked her to bring me back something from Israel, and she brought me back uh, a, a yarmulke. Uh, I have for a long time just been enamored of wearing a sailor's cap, which I used to do in the late 60s when I was a rabbinical student. Mm-hmm. And when I traveled to Europe in 1969, um, I don't know, somehow I got used to wearing this uh, sailor's watch cap, and and uh, so I wear that to and from work every day, and I don't know, it, it, uh, I only take it off when I go to sleep, and uh, I don't know, just, it, 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 it is my particular, I, I have to admit, I have a struggle at times with uh, with halakhic observance, with, with, with Jewish observance, and, uh, you know, as much, that's the the it's part of me, the, the peasant part of me. And um, I, I, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm feeling more at home with that as my identity. But, um, you know, it, it, at the same time, it interacts with my deep commitment to Talmud and Zohar and Bible. Uh, and and somehow, uh, or uh, Hasidic writing uh, quite often is, is part of it, because every week, Art Green um uh, this person who introduced me to Havarat Shalom sends out, uh, 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 you know, a commentary on the the, the Torah portion of the week, uh, divided uh, uh, in, into fifty-two uh, week uh, segments. And uh, there's a triennial cycle of division, which which uh, I, I, none of us follow, but but uh, that also is the, sort of there in theory. But anyway, he writes about uh, the biblical story and what's going on in. in uh, the story of Moses and the Israelites, and and uh, you know, quite often brings in a lot of stuff from the world of Hasidism, which is his special expertise. Back in nineteen, when when was it, sixty nine, seventy, he was um, writing a book about Rabbi Nachman of Bratslav, um, who was um, a, a famous Ukrainian uh, uh, Hasidic Jew, was the great grandson, of the founder of Hasidism, and himself a very troubled guy, but but. Uh, you know, a fascinating teacher, and uh, he actually was the very first person uh, in the Jewish religious world to start telling stories in Yiddish uh, to his followers—stories uh, with uh, sort of Kabbalistic allegorical meanings. Um, but, but we all about, you know, a um, a wise man and a, and a simpleton. Or, uh, you know, a, a man who sets out on a journey. I mean, there are all, kind of, all kinds of ways in which, uh, you know, he would reduce these complex issues of Kabbalah and 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 so forth, uh, into tales of uh, of folktale uh, style and parables, um, par- pardon me,
0: parables, yeah, Parable, yeah
1: exactly, they Bible are, they are
0: parables.
1: yeah, exactly, and and um. Well, in in any case, he, he is uh, sometimes talked of as the father of Yiddish fiction, because in the 19th century, then Yiddish literature uh, grew and, and and grew quite glorious with writers like Sholem Aleichem and, and, uh, and uh, um, Mendel Mokraswarim and I don't know, these various uh, uh, Eastern European Jews. <clears throat> Anyhow. Um, but, yeah. but
0: you both also think of yourself as Buddhists. So, my you kind of eclectic Jewish Buddhist practices?
1: I call myself a buju, um, uh, and <laughs> or is and is it uh, a tubu?
2: <laughs> nobody, a jubu? nobody really knows for sure which way it goes. Uh. I, I don't really even think of myself as a Buddhist. I, I mean, I, I do have it. I I I had to go into my um, online, uh, you know, medical. Uh, it's called my chart. Uh, to, for for an appointment recently and uh, verify all the things I had, you know, my address and my phone number and my religion, which I had uh, designated as Buddhist. Um, But, I mean, Buddhism in America is such a polymorphous (laughs) uh, thing that, you know, there's, there's uh, very traditional buddhist mostly ethnic buddhist uh communities um and there there's american buddhism which has in some ways gotten so diluted into um you know just kind of mindfulness and uh you know if you just uh, if you just practice mindfulness and uh you know bring yourself into the present moment then everything's everything's fine and you know there's buddhism is a, a, a very profound and deep, uh, that's the same thing, but, uh, uh you know, complex, uh, philosophical system, um, and it covers, you know, ethics and,
0: um, and there's Mahayana Therayana, and Theravada and Mahayana
2: and, um, and, you know, and, and Buddhism has taken on the flavor in the, the various uh, the, the various cultures th- that it's been exported to, like Japanese Buddhism is very Japanese and Tibetan Buddhism is very Tibetan. And American Buddhism is very American. And it, uh, you know, it's out there in the marketplace. And um,
0: I think of Sri Lanka is probably the only country that's Buddhist. But that's not true because
2: Nepal and Tibet, Burma. Yeah. N- Nepal, Burma, Burma. Burma. to. Yeah, Burma is not giving Buddhism a good name these days, but, um, mm. or Myanmar, I guess we should Myanmar. Call it. Yeah, Thailand. Gotcha. Thailand is Buddhist. Um, and uh, Vietnamese, Cambodia, Laos were mostly Buddhist, uh, Mahayana, but with a, a mixture. Um, uh, but, yeah, so, uh, I, I, I mean, I, I I prefer the word Dharma to Buddhism. Hmm. Um,
0: With Dharma, you know, I think, of your path, your duty. Your... Yeah,
2: yeah, but the Dharma is the the the, the Dharma has different different shades of meaning in different contexts, and the Dharma it's itself is the, the, you know the three refuges of Buddhism are the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha, and um, the the Dharma is. The teaching, the Dharma, is the understanding of of reality, of uh, of what is um, that was revealed by the Buddha, um, and that is revealed by the to those who uh, follow his path through the uh, the very careful Come here. Um, attention to what is, <laughs> uh, as opposed to what. Appears to be, or what is manifesting in the mind, um, and um, so the Dharma is the four noble truths and the um, uh, the factors of enlightenment and the the hindrances and all the all, the, all these various numerical lists that Buddhism is Theravada Buddhism is famous for because it was an oral tradition and and. You know, things had to be presented in a way that could be recited and memorized. Um, well,
0: so do you believe in reincarnation and karma? You know,
2: i i I don't not believe. I would love to believe in reincarnation because I mean, the goal of the true Buddhist practitioner is to is to be free of the cycle of death and rebirth, the endless cycle of death and rebirth, but. You know, I would love to come back and at, at the age of six, know what I wanted to be with, do with my life. You know, <laughs> And it would be some something in the arts. <laughs> Maybe a jazz pianist, who knows, but but can I as a, you know, as a Western a, a, a Westerner with a, an education in science. Can I really believe in that?
0: Do you, do you know about the University of Virginia School of Perceptual Studies? They're, no,
2: I don't. I don't.
0: They, They. this, uh, Ian Stevenson started it all, and they've interviewed over 2,500 children who remember their past lives very specifically. Wow. And that, yeah. to me, that's the most scientific evidence of, of reincarnation I'll, I'll
2: look into that because there, there is I mean there's one anecdotal story I know there's a young he's well he's probably in his 50s or maybe even 60 by now but uh, uh, there a young man as a named Dhamma ruin who was born to a, a devout observant Buddhist family I'm, I'm not sure where It might have been Sri Lanka um, and at the age of two, began chanting the the, the these Buddhist sutras um, in and in a, a melodic pattern that was had never been heard before, and um, hmm. people, or at least it wasn't known to his family. And his father, I think, I, I think his his family was uh, very very devout and and uh, it's it's believed by people who you know investigate these things that he he was chanting things chanting in a way that uh was centuries if not millennia old and um that this was evidence of reincarnation but um so yeah i'd love to believe in reincarnation and i I, but the i i think the idea of belief and and faith is is very christian i mean it's not even so important in in buddhism It's, it's saint paul you know is all about belief and and what i believe what i think what what i would like to be true What seems plausible to me uh, as a possibility it 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 doesn't have any foundation in anything but the vagaries of my mind you know so
0: well there's evidence there's case studies there's yeah there's more i myself
1: fear reincarnation uh i'm afraid of being reborn as a peasant uh, or Uh. Uh, you I just defined yourself. You
2: just defined yourself as a peasant. I know, I know. <laughs>
1: I mean, to be a peasant in a murderous, some murderous, uh, developing world uh, country, uh, or to be a homeless person in Los Angeles, or or, 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 or to worse, be re,
2: to be reborn into you know the twenty fifty evolution of climate change, uh,
1: or that,
0: yeah. Or re, but remember, we have free will. That's the whole point of religion, <laughs> as opposed to materialism. Is we have free will, so it doesn't matter so much where you're born is what you do with it
1: i guess that's true
2: <laughs> anyway i will i will look into these university of virginia
0: yeah i and um if if you have Joel has my email if you need more information than that but joel so you you do or don't believe in reincarnation karma as a from your buddhist side
1: uh well no I, I, and as carol has said you know i don't th- think of myself uh, sort of actively you think as, of yourself as like jubu right i mean i went to a, a, my very first 9 day retreat at ims um i i was very struck by the fact that there was a, a guy there who was wearing a kippah, wearing a yarmulke and um i felt safe there as a result and and, and uh, you know, I was very, you know, we would each come into the room where the Buddha statue was and there were people who would come in and bow down with their foreheads to the ground, uh, in front of the Buddha. Um, both I, and this fellow, you know, would sort of turn to the Buddha in a gesture of sort of a nod of respect, but, but not of worship. Carol right. keeps a Buddha, a Buddha statue on her uh, table that she's sitting at presently. And, uh, I, have, don't like to think of it as a, a, a deity in idol worship, right. but as a teacher, um, right. and 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 you know an enlightened person that that one uh, that one nods to. In, in, and in...
2: when Joel did that retreat, I, I remember that you you well, we weren't talking during the retreat, um, but he did kind of a silent pilgrimage over the course of the days to all the Buddhas on the. Because there are Buddhas outdoors as well as indoors. I go
1: out into the garden and talk to the Buddhas. Just
2: just sort of to come to terms with this, this, this image, this idol, um, Uh who, you know, is paradoxically uh, an idol and uh, representing someone worthy of profound respect. And yeah,
1: I was at a Buddha. I was
2: very touched by that.
1: Oh, thank you. I'm so I'm so touched. I, I you never said that.
2: I think I I think I
1: might have well, said it at the time. Oh, well, maybe. Okay. Anyway, uh,
2: it's way overdue
1: if I didn't. Uh, <laughs> I once I once was in a Buddhist temple in uh, Thailand in Bangkok, and uh, there it's disrespectful if you sit with your feet facing the yeah. statue. And uh, I, I don't know. I was always struck by that, but so it is kind of looked at as a deity. There, I think, to some degree, or maybe not. Maybe it's a, a gesture of profound respect for a human being. I, I'm not sure. Um, but anyway, I, I, you know, I, 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 I basically, uh, after we were allowed to talk again at that retreat, I, I talked to the uh, the guy with the kippah, and he turned out to be a rabbinical student at Hebrew College, uh,
0: uh-huh.
1: which, uh, in the rabbinical school that was founded by Art Green. And uh, the, the the scholar of uh, Hasidism, so uh, anyway, everything sort of came full circle there. And uh, I've been since then to two nine-day retreats at IMS. Uh, none of them very easy for me. Uh, I have a big problem with getting to sleep at night, and um, I, I never have enough sleep when I'm at IMS. Um, but but I, I still uh, you know have loved the experience in in other ways. And uh, anyway. Maybe I will do it again.
0: So maybe an image that's useful is there are many paths to the top of the mountain, and that you are able to draw both of you from Buddhism and Judaism and whatever else, um, because it all goes to the same central organizing principle of something divine?
1: Um. Possibly. Well, I believe divinity is everywhere uh, in you in me and, in, uh, you know, in, in the totality of the universe. Uh, uh, I am an unabashed pantheist um, and, and uh, you know, believe that all of life is sacred. And um, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, that, that to me is just a very comforting thought. Uh, to, but I don't know. Dearest, you have a, uh, other stuff to say. Um, You're getting worried about time.
2: Well, I'm not. I'm not getting worried about time, but I think we're probably nearing the end. Um, but I wanted to just look something up quickly.
1: Oh,
0: okay. Um. So neither of you have children.
1: No. And was that no.
0: a conscious decision, or what? What was? What were you thinking about children?
1: Uh, for me, it was an easy decision in the sense that I was diagnosed very early in life with the infertility, and uh, so I have never impregnated anyone. And uh, there was a, a thought for a while with my first wife Louise that she was pregnant, but it turned out to be a false, uh, a, a false uh, uh, situation. And um, I don't know. I mean, uh, as I may have mentioned at one of your um, uni high gatherings, that you know, over the years I, I fell into lots of relationships with women and never felt committed enough to to want to get married or, uh, let alone to have children. Uh, I, I, I mean, I'd be terrified have, of having a child. Because of the, both financial responsibility, but also the immense emotional responsibility of it, and I'm I'm in awe of all of my friends who are parents. You know, I just I I, I um, you know I just find find it so amazing that they are able to raise children, uh, in a difficult world, and and to provide for them uh, both financially and emotionally. And uh, I, I don't know, I have several other friends, my like John Lee's, for example, you know, who has not wanted uh, to have a child. Uh, because it would not allow him to pursue painting as a career. And, uh, and uh, both he and his wife are, are both painters. And, uh, and uh, you know, that, I, I guess that was a, a conscious decision. Uh, my, my friends Ellen and Donald have not had children. These are friends of mine. One, one is a scholar of uh, Philo of Alexandria, and the other is a librarian. Her husband is a librarian. And uh, I don't know, at some point they made a conscious decision not to have children. And uh, you know, there are times when I wish I had a little girl to hug, you know, or uh, or, or a little boy to hug and and to give comfort to. We get we pour our parental instincts. By
2: now they'd be fifty.
1: But now they're right. You have uh, your
0: dogs. Even their even dogs. their
2: children would be too old to pick up and hug. That's the right. beauty of dogs is you can always they're they're perennial children, yeah. even, even when are they're so, elderly.
1: Like you were such a devoted mother to, to Omar.
2: Well, everything I know about nurturing another being I learned from dogs, um, mm. <laughs> but, but I, I, I never felt like I was capable of forgetting myself, or giving myself to another human being in that way. I, I i don't know that's i'm not saying that right but we did though when i moved when i moved in with joel i was 48 40. i hadn't yet turned 49.
1: Uh-huh. um yeah yeah because your birthday is late in the year
2: oh no i guess i i was 49. no 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 yeah i was i was 48 and um we did think about it or maybe i thought about it more without yes. talking about it no like no. adopting
0: kids or something no
2: of actually that i was it was still biologically possible but it, it didn't happen so okay there's always been a dog
0: yeah <laughs> my dog is bugging me. um so have we is there anything we should bring up that we haven't in terms of how you've done this interesting synthesis of Buddhism and Judaism and Nietzsche? Oh, only
1: a question: <laughs> Have we been informative to you?
0: Oh, absolutely! Yes, absolutely. Do you see? Well, I mean, most of our lives are not
2: are not you know circling these questions and 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 these. Concepts in in, in any it's uh, consistent or, or orderly way. Right,
0: but your my my last question is not so much about your spirituality, but how have you made your marriage be interesting and vital and maintain over these over over all these decades? Well, it's only two. Decades. Yeah. That's- I'm going to shut the door. You um, stay
2: outside. And it hasn't always been interesting. And I mean, it, it's been interesting. It, it it hasn't always. We've we've especially early on. We, we have had a lot our, of tensions. Here. Yeah, there were, there were a lot of tensions. Um, we still have. There are areas where. We just can't seem to come together around stuff. Manage,
1: management of space and time. What management. else
0: besides dog spoons?
1: Everything, <laughs> paper, books. Oh,
0: Joel, has every,
2: Joel has every book that he ever owned since he was 10 years old maybe.
0: That's <laughs> a lot. lot of books.
1: I've, I've there I've there are at
2: least maybe what, 15,000 books in this house? I don't know, 10,000.
1: Uh, uh, well, it's, yeah, it's in that realm, I think. And well, so one it, of
2: you is like a neat, neatnik, Nick, and the other no, one... No, it would, I think it might be easier if I were a neat Nick. I'm, I'm slop, uh, it's kind of sloppy and chaotic too, but I have way less stuff. And, um, and Joel's operation headquarters is the living room couch even though there's a room upstairs called the study, <laughs> <laughs> which is, yeah, this is the living room couch.
0: <laughs> That's great.
2: And um, I'm know, starting so, to
1: feel ruled by it in ways that I'm uncomfortable okay,
2: with. Okay, well, we need to, we, we we used to talk in the past about maybe going for some couples therapy, but,
1: no, no, no! I was talking about us. I, I mean, but about... but
2: just just to get somebody, you know, to to have somebody hold us accountable for for wishes that we express but can't can't quite formulate into decisions. <laughs>
1: okay.
0: Anyway, but what but do you do that, for that... fun together? Because um, Masters and Johnson said pair bonding is based on the shared memory of good times.
1: We share a lot of TV programs and movies. <laughs>
0: TV programs and movies,
2: we, we, we walk, we walk the dog around Fresh Pond. Um, well, well, things like our study group, I mean, I think are very central to our sense of ourselves as, mm-hmm. as a couple. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I think, I think it's different maybe for couples that get together in middle age, late middle age um, than couples who've been together since they were 25 years old that, for instance, talking about um, friends who have kids, uh, almost all of my good uh, female friends are childless. Um, I didn't plan it that way. But that those are the people that I've ended up having strong bonds with and or you know, maybe meeting at all because I'm, I'm not going to the, uh, you know, the daycare or the the, 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 the park, the tot lot um, and meeting mothers and meeting women who are, are, are like me and uh, have time on their hands and can go to different kinds of cultural events or or 12 step meetings or whatever it might be. Um,
0: do you still so, go to twelve
2: step meetings? I hear? do. I do. I mean, I mainly have one meeting I go to now uh, uh, on Zoom. Um, Zoom sort of. I mean, Zoom. The COVID kind of shut down a lot of uh, a lot of meetings, but uh, I still have a solid connection with the program through through that meeting. And um, and whenever I'm in Los Angeles, I try to go to meetings there because here
0: my my son needs to go he's he's 41 but he he thinks that they're too religious he doesn't like the idea of i have to turn things over to higher power yeah
2: well actually this group that uh, that i'm most connected with um is a 12-step buddhist group and um oh wow we we are generally reading a text by somebody who is, uh, through the, their own personal experience, uh, working the steps through a Buddhist perspective. Oh and, wow,
0: um, that's incredible!
2: Yeah, yeah. So that that's nice, and it's so there are nine of us now, maybe ten. We a new a couple of new people just joined, and um, so actually, it's not strictly speaking a. a, a a 12-step meeting because it's um we're we're a closed group we're not um any any aa meeting is or oa meeting is open to i mean we we new new people do join but uh, sort of by invitation only
0: (laughs) right 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 right. it's
2: it's not it's not very exclusive just there aren't that many people who are interested in
0: do you um want the transcriber to use different names than carol and joel or how how carol
2: and joel is fine i don't know that I'm i want my last that. name
0: okay all right good and do you i don't have any any buddhist couples that are buddhist buddhist do you do you know of anybody that um would be interviewed about buddhism in their family
2: There are so many ways to be Buddhist. Um,
0: I mean,
1: hmm. I was I was trying to think of my um, the two Japanese-born people that um, uh, are uh, big. Uh, people in my department, my department chair is, is uh, uh, well, he, well, he's, he's Christian.
2: Uh, I, mean, I mean, he's a, he's a Mormon.
1: He's a Mormon, <laughs> right.
2: Japanese Mormon.
1: A Japanese Mormon. i um, um married to a Japanese woman now. Uh, uh, his first wife was not. And, um, but so, you know, he's not a practitioner of, of Buddhism. And, and the Isaiah's other person,
2: Christian.
1: Yeah. He, he, his father um was uh, a Japanese Christian, uh, so yeah. Unfortunately, I I, I don't know any. Uh, Bobby might know people. I don't know.
2: Excuse me. Especially. I I don't know if he if he would.
0: Well, if you if you think of someone, uh, yeah, let me know.
2: Yeah, I, most of my Buddhist friends are married to people who aren't, or. <laughs> or or not married or um
0: so well what a treat thank you carol i really appreciate you being willing to do this because i said i i know you were a little reluctant so it was great this is yeah i just i
2: just didn't like the idea of being on youtube
0: (laughs) yeah no i get that it's personal (laughs) okay um all right well thank you thank you and maybe i'll see you joel on monday is it for our uni soon
1: yeah, I'm hoping I can make it to that. Um, that would be 7 p.m. our time. Uh, I would probably be able to participate. I'm, I'm going to cut my- out
0: now. Okay, Carol, know. thank you.
2: Okay, thanks.
0: Yeah, it's at four, so yeah, it's seven your time.
1: Thank you, thank you, dearest. Um, I I, I'm not, I hope I will be able to uh, sit through it. Uh, I, I I'm Carol, and I usually watch something about 8:30. So uh I'd be able to participate for about an hour and a half.
0: Yeah, that's I, we shouldn't go more than that. That's good. Okay. okay, Joel, thank you. I really, really appreciate
1: your thank doing you, Gail. I really
2: appreciate really-